On today's episode, we're going to be talking about six different ways to avoid spiritual deception on Soul Zero Two. And welcome to Soul Zero Two. This is the podcast that is seeking to put the oxygen back into the Christian life one soul at a time. And deception is an ugly reality that is that is that has marred our world since day one of creation. And it seems like once the snake was in the garden, it was all over. And deception is an ugly reality in this broken world we live in. It seems that the minute that God reveals truth, there is a lie to challenge it. That the minute God God shows you something that is that is intrinsically true within itself, that that lie comes and it never confronts you with a bold face or uh, that is obvious or and simple, but rather it comes in sheep's clothing like an angel of light, ready to give us a subtle lie covered over with thin truth. And I want to give you today six different ways that we uh, that we struggle with deception. But I want to read a scripture to you that I read last time, and it's 2 Corinthians 11, uh, 3, the words of Paul, where he says this. He said, But I am I'm afraid that as a serpent deceived Eve by its cunning, your thoughts would will be led astray, astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you submit to it readily enough. What is Paul saying there? He's telling the people, you guys are easy meat, man. You just believe anything. So I want to give you six ways that deception can be avoided, and I want to give them to you as one list first so that you can get the picture in your head. But here they are. Know, love, learn, observe, ask, and commit. That's pretty easy, isn't it? So let's take them one at a time, and I'm going to spend the most time on the no part. And when I say no, I mean this. I mean, know the Jesus the apostles preached. Why is that so important? And what, what did Jesus preach anyway? Jesus preached the gospel and the kingdom. And we find that in the scriptures that there are two words that describe how he preached. One is, what one describes the kingdom, which is Bessalia, and it's, it's his reign or rule or dominion in which, which uh, heaven, uh, or a sovereign rules rather. And this involves Christ's rule on earth. And the other word is gospel, uh, uh, evangelion, and I, I'm probably not saying it right, evangelion, but it's the announcement of good news associated with the arrival of God's kingdom. And so, in a nutshell, that's what Christ preached, right? He preached the kingdom of God. But what does it mean to preach the kingdom of God? It means that the kingdom is a thing of the heart. It's not political. And I say that because of the deception today that so many Christians were looking, you know, they, they were acting like, like uh, like like a certain candidate was their savior that if if he if he won then hey America is God's nation and you know we're his kingdom on earth um, that's that was the implication with some people and but what happens if your candidate doesn't win does it mean that God's kingdom falls apart this is why it's a thing of the heart in fact uh, in the scriptures we find the words of of of, uh, of Jesus in the book of John where where he says, my kingdom is not from this world. My, if my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep 
me from being handed over to the Jews, but as it is, my kingdom is not from here. And it's a powerful thing that what Christ said there, because it's no different than today. Uh, the, the elections we had, some people really, really thought, you know, that the guy who lost was going to bring the kingdom. I mean, I, I know it sounds bizarre, but some people really believe that. And, but listen to what Jesus said. His kingdom is not of this world. And we find that the kingdom also is known by this. It means the cross and the crucified life. And Galatians puts it beautifully when it, when it, uh, when it says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. But also, it's, it's a kingdom of repentance, we find. Uh, and why am I giving you these points on the kingdom? Because many of the deceptions of the modern times deal with the, the idea that you don't need to crucify your life, that you don't need, you don't need to repent. And there's this idea of just being religious and just having you know church without really knowing Jesus. And, and this is why it's so important to know the gospel that Jesus preached. In fact, Jesus put it this way. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of God has come near. And repentance means to change your mind, to change the way that you think. It means that you are your orientation of how you think is going to change. But we also find that kingdom means miracles. We really believe that. I know some faith traditions may not believe that, but we sure do. That part of the mark of the kingdom is what something Jesus said when he gave the charge to the disciples. And he said this, he says, cure the sick. And and, and this is Luca 10.9. He says, cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. And so, one more thing about kingdom before I give you the other ones, but kingdom also means this. It means righteousness. And Romans uh, 8 Romans 8, uh, uh, 6.18, rather, says, you, you have been set free from sin, or you having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. And why, is, why am I using, why am I mentioning this as, as part of the gospel of Christ? Because, again, a lot of the modern gospels don't address sin. They kind of allow life to just, to just uh, you know, Live your life and just believe in God and you're done. And there's nowhere in scriptures about that. It talks about dealing with the issues of your life. So here's here's the second of the sixth. Here's the second protection against uh, deception. And that is love God and the scriptures. And there's a beautiful scripture again in 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians rather, where he talks, you know, the love chapter where he where he says, if I speak in the tongues of mortals and angels but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and I have all faith as so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away my, all my possessions and if I, if I hand over my body so that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. So what's the point he's making there? Paul, that love is the glue that makes everything in the kingdom work. Without 
without it, we are just making noise. We have no substance and we gain nothing. And if, if I don't love God and His Word, then I'm missing the glue of the universe, of what makes the kingdom of God really work and move forward. And so, so loving God and His Word is, is the greatest vaccine against deception. If, if you don't want to be deceived, fall in love with God and His Word, and you'll see what happens. But here's another one. Learn to judge rightly. Or let me rephrase that. Learn to judge, to rightly judge things. Christians can be judgmental of each other and of unbelievers, and it's probably human nature because we still have issues. We God is still transforming us, and we all have problems, right? That's why never base your commitment to Jesus on whether or not Christians are following him or not, because we all have issues, including Christians. But one of the issues we have is judgment. And when I say to judge, I don't mean... Um, I don't mean uh, that we have a right to judge everything and anyone, but I mean it in this context. It, it's not. It, it's to judge is to not judge a person's soul, to destroy, demonize, or become a fault finder. This is not what judgment is. But rather, judgment always involves the fruit. Judging the fruit of of a person without judging their fate. It's not our job to judge their fate. That's God's job. It's our job to judge fruit, and if something is not bearing fruit, then we need to challenge that, right? So we, we as Christians, need to learn how to rightly judge people and not condemn people to hell we don't like. We don't have a right to do that. There's no scriptural basis for that. So rightly judging means that we are to watch out for false deceivers. right? It says it in the Scriptures, uh, Matthew 7, 5, Jesus' words, he says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits, or grapes gathered from thorns, or figs from thistles. But also, we are to test everything with the Scriptures. And this is why it says in, in First Thessalonians, But test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of of evil. So are you testing what you believe against the scriptures? There's so much media out there today that that I'm afraid some Christians are spending more time testing stuff on social media than they are on knowing the word for themselves or even reading a book. Books are great. But one thing Billy Graham once said is he wished he would have read more books. Or rather, I'm sorry, he he, he wished he would have read less books and more of the Bible. Because books are great, but there's nothing like the Word to judge things by. And here's the fourth one. Observe your own thoughts and motives. Observe your own thoughts and motives. It's amazing what our own mind is capable of doing without the help of the devil. We can have incredible wars happen between our ears and in our hearts that no one even knows about, that can really undo us and mess us up. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. And I love what uh, uh, the Apostle Peter talked about, our capacity to warp the Scriptures to our own hurt, because our minds become uh, unstable. He said in Second Peter 16 that the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do other Scriptures. And... We are capable of doing this when we're not in alignment with God and His Word, when we're not accountable to a, a spiritual community, 
we can easily warp things. That's why it's important to have accountability. But here's number five I want to give you. And we're almost done there. And it's ask the right questions. And this is a big one. And I'm just going to go down the pea patch with these questions. But the, the obvious question is, is that in the scriptures? Or does it relate to the scriptures? Or how does it compare to the scriptures, right? Do I use the Bible to verify what I'm seeing and hearing? Or do I just rely on emotions or on sound bites or on visual bites? Um, how does that elevate the truth in the Word of God, what I'm hearing or watching? Or, does, or is it just something that is distracting? Another question is, how is it connected with the kingdom of God? Again, Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom is very important in the scriptures. Another question is this, does it make me love God more, want to pray more, want to share the gospel more? Or is it just something that is satisfying an obsession with me that is unhealthy? Is it distracting me from God and His purpose for my life? We all have a purpose. We all have a calling. Is is that thing that I'm engaged in, spending time and money in, is it a distraction? And how does, how does this encounter compare with my first encounter to Christ? Does it bring out the best in me or something else? I've seen far too many Christians obsessed with certain YouTube videos or channels or you know websites that, that they just spend hours on this thing and, and totally missing their, their purpose that God has for their, for their life. And one last question before we go to number six, but has it captivated me to the point of obsession? And that's a big one. We've seen that, especially during this season of COVID, where uh, Christians became obsessed, some Christians became obsessed with just social media, and there was this haranguing back and forth between people among Christians, which should never be, it should never be, that has nothing to do whatsoever with God. But here's number six, and this is just a, a, a obvious one. Commit to grow up in Christ. Commit to grow up in Christ. Ephesians 4.14 says, We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown away by every wind of doctrine. Right? And let me, let me just give it to you here. By people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. There's a growing up that needs to happen in this season, I believe, with Christians and with with us that uh, we need to get to the point where we where we don't just believe anything we hear and see, even if it has a, a name Christian behind it, even if it has a lot of followers. Uh, you know, Jesus is the main one who needs to be followed first. And so, I want to challenge you to avoid deception and notice your thoughts and allow yourself. Know the Jesus that that the apostles preached. Love God and love His Word. Learn to judge things rightly. Observe your own thoughts and motives. Ask the right questions and commit to grow up in Christ. If this this podcast has been a blessing to you and you find value in it, uh, click the subscribe button, leave a comment, share it with a friend. Check out our website, soul02.com. And it's so great to be with you today. Thank you so much. God bless.